My name is Will Small, and I'm trying to become the man my kids need me to be. To my fellow men, I think we've all got some work to do. What if it's time to rebuild what we call manhood for the sake of ourselves and the generation growing up behind us? It's not always easy talking about the real stuff, but we can't afford not to. So let's get into it. This is the Mankind Podcast. What was school like for you? Take a moment and think of a teacher who you have particularly warm memories of. Hopefully there's at least one. Is it easier to remember specific lessons they taught you or the way they made you feel, the way they connected with you? You think about education for a moment, it's pretty obvious that it's about more than just transferring knowledge. Otherwise, as my guest in this episode observes, school could have been done entirely on computers for many years now. Mark McGinnity is the Director of Education for MSC Australia. He has a really deep and holistic understanding of educating young people built over many years, and so much of it comes down to relationships. Mark used to oversee a dormitory at a boarding school. What better way to see up close what goes into a young person transitioning from being a child to a young adult? Now, maybe some of you work in education environments, but... You don't have to be a teacher or an educator or anything like that to play a significant role mentoring, encouraging and influencing young people in your life. Mark shared a lot of wisdom in this conversation gained from his experiences and contexts. This conversation is rich with reminders about what it looks like to be present to others and to encourage their growth. And if you do some of this, who knows, in the future, you might be the kind of person people bring to mind when they're thinking about someone they had that warm connection with. Mark McGinnity, it is uh, wonderful to be sitting here with you in, in your home today to have this conversation. So thanks for inviting me in and having a chat. Pleasure. How do you like to introduce yourself, people you meet the first time? What's the story of Mark? Uh, I don't really like uh, introducing myself too often these days, but uh, look, I'd, uh, Mark McGinnity, I'm a teacher by trade. I call myself a teacher and people say, well, what did you teach? And I normally say I taught kids, you know, and uh, that was where we went from there. But I've had 40 years in education, um, predominantly in, uh, well, about two thirds of it in all boys schools, which is interesting, um, at um, different boarding schools, big ones in Sydney, uh, St. Joseph's College, Hunters Hill. I think at the time it had about 950 plus full-time boarders. They got one night out of term. That was in the mid-90s. Wow. Uh, I think they, they used to say they were the largest uh, or second largest boarding school in the Western world, which is an interesting thing. And then I was at St. Ignatius College Review where I also looked after 350 full-time boarders. Uh, since then I've been a principal in co-ed schools uh, in Western Victoria and I'm currently the director of MSC Education, uh, which looks after the four MSC schools in the eastern states. Yeah, wow. So a broad career there working in education. Um, I'm particularly interested in talking to you today about the education of young boys and, uh, yeah, just what it means in, in our current Australian context to grow up as a young man um, and what we can all do, I guess, to nurture the next generation and maybe challenge some of the things that need a bit of challenging and reshaping as well as reinforce some healthy stuff if there is any of that there. But um, why don't you just sketch out to me a little bit 
more um, in those different contexts, how much, you know, the boarding thing, for example, would be really interesting. Tell me a little bit more about what that involved and your relationship with the, the young men who were boarders in that context. Uh, actually, I must admit, having had, you know, I have, I have two girls myself, but uh, looking after boy boarders is, you know, a pretty big challenge because you've got them 24-7 and um, you're in – it's actually interesting the relationship you have with their parents because the parents – particularly, um, you're looking after the most precious thing in their life. And mm. uh, I remember a, a story we, um, my wife and I, my wife also worked, or she didn't wasn't employed, but she was very much part of the team where we looked after a lot of these kids. And remember we were going up to, uh, to Toowoomba to visit my brother-in-law one day and he, um, and we stopped at Moree and uh, we had kids from Moree, but where there was a footy game on there and we went to the footy game and at halftime I had a pint of beer and then I got seen by some of these kids and their families and they were um, they were so warm and so and they were actually more annoyed though that we hadn't told them we were coming to their town yeah, you know, right. because they the parents particularly you're looking after their kids and um, they really want to show you hospitality you know when you come to their town it was quite an interesting uh, yeah. uh, feeling actually to they were oh how come you haven't told us we got places you know blah, blah. and I used to always say that the, those young men who were chosen as leaders and they would normally have their captains or the you know, instead of prefects or whatever, um, that if you've lived with them 24-7, you really do get the, the, the really good leaders come through. Mm. And the kids know. Um, look, you experience all the highs and lows. Um, it's been a, it was a fascinating time. I mean, one of the uh, – in my role as director of boarding, where I was there for nine years, there were five young men that – I had to be there and share with them that a, a member of their immediate family had died. And so it's not grandparents. Oh, wow. We're talking mum, dad, brothers, sisters, that mm. sort of thing. And um, and that was because of the whole social media thing, texts and all that sort of stuff. Families would ring and say, could you please be with him, you know, when this happens? Could you please be the one who tells them, uh, you know, what happens because we don't want them to hear it on Facebook or, you know, Snapchat or whatever it is. Yeah, so wow. that was, And that's a very privileged, um, a very it's a very sacred moment actually when you're sharing yeah. those sort of things. So, you know, there are obviously the lows and the highs are all the great, you know, the wonderful occasions and we, you know, could recount many, many of those. Yeah. All sorts of different activities, you know, cultural, sporting, whatever. And Yeah. They do. And uh, it sounds very safe to say that you've had probably a unique up-close perspective <laughs> In, in the journey of growing up mm. um, for a lot of young men and young people, people in contexts that are often separate, it's like either there's the, the school context that some people get to see mm. and then there's that out-of-school rest-of-life context, home context. Yes. You got to see both mm. for a lot of these young young people, which is, would have been really interesting. Yes, yeah. And, and, you know, like with young men, you'll find some of them are a pain in the backside in school and they play up and they travel or whatever, but in the boarding house they were fine. You know, they, they appreciated yeah, right. the, the structures, the constraints, whatever was there, and it's just school or classroom type school stuff wasn't for them. And uh, one thing in particular, we were very careful about making sure that any of the punishments or stuff or any of the, the consequences of actions in the in the day school didn't roll over into the boarding school because often they were they could be even totally different. Um, you know, yeah, that's interesting. almost, yeah. Yeah, so I was thinking just, you know, as I prepared for this conversation with you around education mm-hmm. and, and obviously a term that we use all the time, mm-hmm. sometimes kind of spouted off as kind of the answer to all kinds of manners of 
evil in the world, just more education. Yes. And that may be true, but I was just thinking, you know, often words that we're really familiar with, we have a lot of assumptions about them. We might mean different things. So for you, somebody who's been in that education sector for a long time, how do you understand what the role of education is in society and what your own kind of, you know, philosophy or approach is to education? It's interesting about the learning. In the old days, it was the three R's. Reading is obviously very important. Being able to do some sums is important, you know, all those sort of things. But if you look at it now, and I haven't got it with me, but my mobile phone, if I take it out, it's got practically all the knowledge I'll ever need to know. So the the days of where you used to have to write, learn facts and learn stuff in that way or that sort of education, that's gone, mm. long gone. And really, and, and I mean... Education for me, and I think for for most people these days, is it's all about the relationships, mm-hmm. and it's about how you build relationships with young people. They also build relationships with their peers, and they observe relationships even just between staff and things like that. So it is a, um, uh, and COVID taught us a whole lot about education too. You know, there are a lot of parents who have gone absolutely bonkers trying to look after their kids at home, but um, but it was very draining, it was very difficult. But mm. the students, you know, uh, I mean, let's face it, with, with the computers and things, we actually have um, the apparatus and have had for 20-plus years to be able to educate kids remotely all the time. Mm. You know, the schools could be conducted in a phone, book, phone booth if you needed them to be, but, uh, but we now... Uh, know that it's not about that. It's about that whole communal aspect, um, mm. learning to live in community, uh, learning to accept, you know, other people, to learn all those sort of things. And, you know, if you look um, so much of when the students got back to school after COVID, they were so thrilled to be amongst their their yeah. peers and even with their, their teachers, you know, that, that they were really... Mm. So it's about the quality of relationships that you're able to build and what students learn about you know, relationships with others outside their family unit, I would say. Yeah. My dad used to always say this thing to me. He used to talk about the difference between knowledge and wisdom. Mm, yeah. Knowledge, you know, exactly yeah, like you say, right. I've got all yeah. the knowledge I need on my phone. Mm. Wisdom is knowing what to actually do with it, yes. how to use it. Yeah. And that grows through relationship. Yes. I really like what you're saying there. The context oh. for education yeah. is relationship. I mean, one of the disappointing things for me, you know, is, is at the end of my teaching career now, um, the higher school certificate, you know, and the VCE or the QCE, any of these, you know, big exams at the end, they haven't changed in 40 years. You know, mm. the, the format for their assessment has barely changed. You know, like we, we give kids a, a, a three-hour handwritten regurgitation exercise for an English exam. We still do it. I don't know about you, but I haven't handwritten anything for, <laughs> for 30 years. You know, I'm yeah. lucky I might sign a card and yet we make students do stuff which is totally artificial. Yes, mm. there's a discipline involved in that and all those sort of things, um, but if, if that's the way we go about assessing discipline, well, I'm not sure that that's the best thing either. Yeah, so we haven't we haven't evolved and, and why do we have it? Because it's um, cheaper, it's easier, it's also a moneymaker because, you know, overseas students like, you know, the way that we're able to come up with you know, yeah. data from that. But I used to always ask a question, right from my very early times as, as an educator, I used to say, um, what makes a good teacher? And uh, and I think that's sort of in that whole educational uh, sort of uh, sphere. And, uh, you know, there were people who would give all sorts of different responses to that. And I remember one time that uh, I had a friend who was a teacher and he had four sons who, uh, all, you know, were very good students and went on and did very well. And um, 
I remember him saying to me one day, you know, this fellow, John, all of my sons would say he's among the best teachers they've had. Now, John was an older man and John was just a gentle, kind man who told great stories, Mm. you know, and the kids were captivated by him and loved him. Now, I actually was John's head of faculty at that stage. John was a pain in the backside to have in your <laughs> faculty because he never did his marking much. He didn't follow up on all the compliance things and stuff like that. But his heart was really well set for those young kids and he was able to really captivate their hearts and their imaginations with his stories. By the way, these young men, you know, have all gone on to great careers and all that sort of stuff, but they would say, yeah, who's your favourite teacher? Who was the one who made the biggest impact on you? wasn't yeah. the one that transferred the most data. Mm. Uh, creatives are really important in our society with respect to all that. Mm. It, it makes 100% sense. Uh, I actually can think of my a particular teacher I had in Year 10 who was a storyteller mm. and, and had that really relational approach to not just imparting knowledge mm. but um, creating that context mm. where, where there was a safety um, to be able to talk about what's what's beneath the thing right now that's presenting on the surface maybe or what's the deeper truth below even this English lesson mm. about how we live in community or, mm. you know, so, yeah, 100%. Yeah, lots of, yeah, so many challenges there and that critical awareness of what's coming in. I mean, nowadays people have a voice that previously didn't have a voice and not all of them are as wise as, as others and um, and so that's a real challenge. So where is this mm. coming from? Who is it? Who gains most out of this? And all that sort of stuff is really crucial into uh, awareness of that. I mean, you know, back when I was, you know, when I was a boy, uh, <laughs> it... it you know, to get published or even to get in the newspaper, it had to have been tested by many people for veracity and all that sort of stuff. Whereas now anyone can put something out, you know, yeah. challenges for all of us there. Yeah, yeah, I think a bit actually about the role of uh, trusted voices in our lives. Mm-hmm. And um, a trusted voice can really be a fantastic guide through mm-hmm. unpredictable and complex times. But how do we choose which ones when there's, you know, a, an absolutely endless... Yes. Um, selection there, yeah, big stuff. So, you know, you mentioned that you currently work uh, the Director of Education for um, MSC. Do you want to share a little bit about what MSC is? Um, The Missionaries of Sacred Heart, they're a religious congregation and um, have uh, priests and brothers and they also have lay MSC, so just ordinary folk who join in it. But really they they would say that... um, it's all about the love. You know, mm. our, our life and as humans is about the love. And, um, you know, we as humans are asked to be on earth the heart of God and they say, well, Jesus was the model for that love and compassion. So that's what they would say. And they would then say uh, when you're faced with any decisions or whether they be really uh, complex and even everyday questions, they'd say, what would love do in this situation? So that's mm. sort of their guiding principles. And it's a, it's a gentle, you know, Christian spirituality and it's um, a lot of young people, the young young kids really enjoy it. It's not about so much the rules and the, you know, whatever, mm-hmm. but it's about, you know, coming from that. You know, if you read the New Testament, New Testament is about Jesus as a, you know, a, a person of love, you mm-hmm. know, and a, and the son of God of love. So that's what that's about. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it's... It's a beautiful philosophy that I'm sure non-religious and religious people alike, you know, if we come back to that question, yes. is what we're doing motivated yeah. by or leading to 
yeah. you know, what love looks like. Um, and maybe that's another <laughs> big yeah. conversation. Um, but yeah, I really like that. And sometimes I guess that's, you know, we can sort of divorce education from that holistic understanding of what it means to become a well-formed human. Yes. You know, right, let's, again, it comes back to that knowledge versus wisdom or that do you know a bunch of information or actually are you going to be someone who's good news in your community? Mm. It yeah. seems like, um, you know, just culturally we're wrestling with a range of interconnected and sort of complex issues around gender, probably been happening for a long time, but where we are here on the Central Coast, for example, there's really high rates, some of the highest rates in our nation of domestic violence. In Australia, the rates of suicide um, for men um, is very high. 75% of suicides every year are men. And interestingly enough, um, that's not necessarily because there aren't the same number of attempts between men and women. It's just that men are often more isolated and people don't pick up. I'm just thinking, you know, if we think about these things, whether it's domestic violence, suicide, this kind of a, a crisis identities around gender, what do you think might be some of the things early on in the piece as, as boys are growing up, some of the things that maybe are instilled at that point that might actually lead to some of those outcomes down the track? Mm. That's the $64 million question, <laughs> yeah. isn't it? But uh, look... Uh, I mean, the picture is it's not pretty in many ways and, and it's quite a bleak picture but I think we've also got to keep in mind that there are a lot of really good young people out there too mm. and not sort of uh, spend, you know, all of uh, you know, our attention on that. That's an important thing and there are many I'm working mm. for things like climate change, all those sort of stuff that are really getting and doing great yeah, things. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I was always a big believer in healthy physical activity. We know the, um, the link between physical health and mental health often, you know, if we want to improve our mental health, get up and get exercising, that will help it, you know, significantly. So I, I think that's a good thing. Um, look, you know, boundaries are good for young people. And I think my part, and I'm not saying, you know, really super strict or hardline or anything, but students need to know just like they need to know you can't cross that line. There are things in you. And young men really need to know there are boundaries. That, and so many parents, they want to be best friends with their, their young children, but not their parent. And, and a lot of kids, um, you know, they, as they go through their development, yes, you can end up friends with them, but certainly not through their, you know, as you get into their adolescent stage, they need to rebel, they need to do all the things that young people do. Um, and, um, and one of the biggest challenges is for parents to be able to say no to their, their children at times. And there are some people who have never said that, you know, in the, in, in the, and you go, no, that's not what we should be doing there. And, um, God, I've, I've had stories, you know, when I was looking after kids in the boarding house where I would have parents who'd say, oh, um, uh, they'd come and say and they'd walk in with their child and say, oh, look, I, we want to leave to go to this particular, for my son to go to this particular party. And we had fairly stringent guidelines about all of that and uh, we'd say, no, no, that's not an appropriate time, it's not... Not a party, they've got exams coming up, no. And uh, <clears throat> the kid go, oh, you know, it'll all be upset and off they'd walk. The parents stay behind and say, oh, thank goodness you said that. He said, I didn't want him to go to that party either. You know, so. Right. Uh, whereas, you know, I, and I was, it was okay if I was the bad person, but the, you know, the parent didn't say, look, it's probably not wise. We, I don't really want you going to the party. So there's all those, you know, challenges that we have. You know, I've also had parents say to me, their child has never lied. 
you know, and, you know, there's, we all know there's a reality about life that a student, you know, young people, again, part of that developmental thing will go through times when they lie. And, um, uh, yeah, they're, they're all instances of, of where parents, you know, like don't take what, what most people would see would be a common sense approach. Um, if I was to talk about the things, you know, that you can do, Time is everything, isn't it? We know we're all time poor. Everyone says, oh, I haven't got enough time for this, I haven't got mm. enough time for that. But it is about being there for them uh, when they need you. And that's a lot more often than you think. One of the things in some of these schools that I'm at and is that uh, you look at some retired people, some of them might be retired priests or people like that, and they just come and sit in the middle of the playground or they just go and watch the students play their sport or things like that and the kids just come out, you know, those kids absolutely love them because they're just there. And, you know, I hate talking about these sort of things these days with all the sexual abuse and everything, but it's all very um, rigidly supervised and all that sort of stuff. Sure. But the ministry of presence mm. is so important for young people and they can they really look up to any of those adults particularly who will give them that time. Um, you know, I used to talk about the confessional of the front seat of the car and uh, my you know, youngest girl would jump in the car and she'd get in there and uh, she'd go blah, 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 about the whole day. This is when she was in primary school or mm. you know, in early days. And um, you'd hear it all then. If you were, if you didn't see her then, if you were an hour or two later to say, how's school today? Oh, it's fine. Mm. You know, it's gone. But um, that time with them uh, is so important. And sometimes it means that, you know, you as an adult or as a parent have got to give up some things you'd like to do. Oh, there's a lot of distilled wisdom there. And, uh, you know, I'm just taking notes here because I've got a five-year-old and a three-year-old. So, I mean, I think the presence thing, I think about that all the time. It, it, even as many of us have shifted to working from home or being home more, it's possible to be in a place and not present. Yes. And and we know that the, the difference when we're really with people. Um, and I think, interestingly, the boundary stuff, for me as an adult, working out how I have boundaries around separating work and family life. Yeah, a lot of stuff there that I think, you know, if we were to think a bit more about what does it look like to create that presence, to have healthy boundaries, to seek friendship almost as a secondary thing rather than the primary role of a parent, you know, it'd be interesting to see how those things could have a ripple effect. I wonder in your years of uh, working in, you know, particularly those male schools, how frequently have you come across the phrase "boys will be boys"? That is the that is the phrase that I probably I wouldn't use the word despise too often, but I dislike the most. You know, uh, if, excusing boys' behaviour as "boys will be boys" is an excuse for all sorts of inappropriate behaviour. It's the sort of stuff that's yep. led to all those issues with consent. I, I would say. Boys will be young men until, you know, they learn different. You know, like they just it's just a cop-out mm. to say. And I've, I've had parents, you know, say the kids have done stupid things. You know, they might have drawn a swash sticker or a penis on a, on a young kid's head, you know, in year 12, on a year 7. And they go, oh, no, they've been doing it forever. Boys will be boys. I said, no, they're not. That's not, you know, I don't know. And yep. people need to make those stands against that. It, it, it's a word that should never, it's a phrase that should never be accepted in our society because if you're going to Except that you're, you know, you're promulgating, you know, gender stereotypes, all sorts of stuff that is not appropriate. I'm, yeah, I'm, oh, I completely yeah. agree. Something um, really upsets me. I must admit. What What do you say to people when you hear it now? Do you? How do you respond? Uh, I would still say no. 
I'm so sorry, that's not an appropriate phrase to use. It's not right. Yeah. Um, you know, boys should be young people just like anyone else growing up to be good young citizens. You yeah. Know? And that's, uh, that's what it is. It's interesting. I mean... There's no excusing. Yeah. Kind of stuff, really. Oh, I completely agree. I think um, at a society-wide level there's still this grapple with gender inequality in the workplace, um, in, in the, you know, the kind of the settings that we, we spend our time in as adults a lot of that comes down to the different expectations we have oh. around men and women. But obviously that starts from the youngest possible well, age. That's, very, a, that's yeah. a double standard or a different mm. expectation that, oh, well, that's just a boy being a boy. You know, same behaviour mm. we would treat very differently. So, yeah, I think it's interesting just to think uh, how many of our double standards at, at the other end of the scale begin early oh, on. Very much so. And it, it really comes back to... And this was drilled into me by my family. I think it is that they used to say we're all equal in the in the eyes of God. Every individual soul or human being is equal in the eyes of God and loved by God. Now, if you're non-religious, you'd say we are all equal as humans in the world. And it doesn't matter your skin colour, your gender, you know, whatever your gender preference is, all that sort of stuff. It is about equality of human, you know, existence. And if you have that at the real core of who you are, and if that's come through all the time you go yep it doesn't matter rich poor you know whatever uh, everyone gets treated exactly equally you know mm. and with respect and love you mm. know and I like those ads you know the, the ones you see about they're just starting to get to those under where the young kids can throw the ball at the girl on the tv you know where they're sort of propping it mm. and going oh no no that's not right we should call it out early you know, it's not right. You should not be doing that to anyone, boy or girl. Yeah, throwing the one hundred percent. You shouldn't. That's not right. That's not an appropriate behaviour. So like, yeah, I yeah. completely agree. So I appreciate you pointed out before. It is easy to um, magnify the lens on on the problems that we face, and it's important that we mm. talk about those. Um, but they can sometimes overshadow, you know, those examples of really healthy and beautiful mm. um, people and, and development. Yeah. And our news feeds are only filled with where things go wrong. Yeah. We don't really yeah. get the, the stories or the news of where mm. they've gone right, so to speak. So just wondering if you have some specific stories from your years in that educational space of really seeing a healthy development of a young boy into a, a self-aware and love-shaped Mm-hmm. Man, yeah. one of the one of the great things uh, I learned or heard a phrase early: catch them doing something good. And you know, even the troublesome kids are there saying, "Wow, well done!" You know, you keep affirming that positive, and that's that's uh, some good things. And look, oh, I don't know, there are so many stories about different uh, fellows and um, and girls too who have you know gone to come from trouble backgrounds, often damaged hearts. You know, and we talk about their heart being uh, you know so important and educating the heart, and then working with that to rebuild. And sometimes, I must admit, I've been in instances where school communities have rallied around to help uh, you know repair those hearts and so might be where they uh, you know it could be poor family background no parents all that sort of stuff where they've come through I mean one example I had a young fellow who's um and and was a good um you know loving mother a few brothers his brother ended up leaving school caught up in the wrong crowd and um ended up actually convicted of murder in um, in Victoria which uh, he was present at the time you know under the influence of drugs when a person was killed his younger brother was still at the school, right, only in year 10, 
He was a dancer, you know, which is a ballet dancer, which is quite unusual, um, especially in sort of sporty, you know, Western Victoria. Um, the community came around that fellow and, and, and gathered around and supported him a lot. Anyway, he, um, he became a uh, – uh, he was a school leader, you know. He's gone on. He's done very well. He's at uni. He's doing very well for himself and all that sort of stuff. It could have been a pretty hard time if people had been, you know, wanted to have a go at him. And I know to be fair to say, and I've spoken to him since he left school, and I said, oh, how did that happen? What happened? He said, well, he said, you know, one or two kids called out very early if someone had a go at me about my brother. And um, then from there on it was, you know, there was just really wonderful support from staff, other kids, you know, and you know, his own family. So it's, it's important, uh, mm. those sort of things. There were very good counsellors there too who, you know, were able to assist him, to listen to him, mm-hmm. to help him with, uh, you know, where yeah. he was at. The, um, the phrase, catch them doing something good, that's mm. brilliant. We grow what we give attention to mm. in, in a lot of ways, right? I mean, maybe that's a bit simplistic, but I think sometimes we give energy and attention and focus to the, the aspects of um, misbehaviour yeah, and it grows rather yeah. than let's give yeah. the energy, time, focus to the strength here. Yeah. Um, I mean, you'd be very familiar, I'm sure, with that whole idea of a strength-based approach and mm. – um, Positive so, reinforcement is, is it works for all of us. Still does. Yeah. You know, I mean, it was quite funny. I, even just a few years, you know, in the last few years, some, there was something occurred where I was uh, I received some positive reinforcement from an area I hadn't anticipated and whatever. And there was I in my sixties and still going, oh wow, that made me feel really special. And you know, yeah. an old man can still feel good about you know some positive reinforcement. You know, for young people, it is you know ten times uh, more powerful. Mm, it's huge. Mm. So you're the father of girls. Mm-hmm. Um, how has your parenting experience um, raising young women mm-hmm. changed your attitudes and behaviours towards some of these issues over the years? What's it done to your heart? Oh, look, oh, what it's done to my heart is uh, grown it enormously. You know, the, uh, you know, in a parental role is uh, is such a um, oh, it's a very special thing, isn't it? That relationship mm. and that uh, that trust you build and all those sort of things. Uh, the one thing that is um, uh, worries me uh, was um, how proud you feel of things that you do, which I actually had nothing to do with. You know, like they would, res- you know, they'd be do well in their um, their particular sports or in their schoolwork, and they would get great results. I'm never um, bursting with pride at times, and then go, "Wow, that's an amazing sort of emotion," that, you know, that we have. But um, uh, no, the girls, um, yeah, I've been very blessed uh, with uh, uh, my two yeah. girls. Yeah, it's interesting. One of the things I've shared on this podcast before for people who have been listening for a while is that. My parenting journey sort of began, um, you know, in my imagination, Mm. I had a very strong conception that I would be the father of daughters. Mm. And unpacking Mm. that after I ended up sort of having sons, you know, I sort of wondered if maybe that was because I didn't really feel masculine enough or man enough to um, raise boys. So in some ways, parenting has completely helped me to unpack. That's just not, not, there's so much unhelpful messaging there. Whatever kids I have, yeah. so come back to that, you know, I'm not going to make different excuses. Mm. I'm going to love and nurture the children that I have. Um, and it's been, you know, a wonderful journey of growth and challenge so far. Yeah. Um, but other, other things do you think that have changed? I'm, I'm sure there are lots yeah. of things, but, you know, it's sort of ideas maybe that you had earlier in life that through your parenting journey have really shifted. Uh, one of the things was that thing about being so proud and feeling really good about it was I, that helped me to affirm 
other students in my classes more, you know, and to mm. make sure because it really um, – uh, you know that that's not a bad thing to, to be able to say good things about kids and to affirm them. That was probably the um, uh, the major change that would have come with me. I was going to say something about alcohol only because it's, you know, some people say, oh, I'll be okay to have a drink with your kids, you know, that sort of stuff. Uh, you know, you say, oh, no, it'll be all right to have a drink or whatever. But all of the data now would say to you, you know, especially, you know, young male brains and that, shouldn't have alcohol before the age of 18 and even then only, you know, um, moderately and, you know, mm. whatever. I'm not aware that I drink and enjoy a drink and whatever, but I'm, I just think people, you know, again, it's part of that being mates with their kids, you know, allowing students, you know, giving, mm. buying them, giving them grog at 14, 15, 16 to go to parties. So much of a, um, a, mm. a drama, you know, and I, I probably but, – but having witnessed the ramifications and the repercussions of those things over the time, um, yeah, the, the, that yeah. would be something that I it was probably – I've become much harder on uh, that, you know, over yep. the journey. Sure. Um, and the other thing would be access to social media and the internet, you know, uh-huh. um, you know, when it first came in 20, 30 years ago, I think, oh, well, how, how fantastic is this? It's a, it's a wonderful, you know, tool, all those sort of things. But um, in the 1970s, schools, there was a time when schools used to used to have smoking rooms for their year 12s and they were cool schools because they were accommodating what the students, you know, wanted and whatever and mm-hmm. they used to – and so there were oh, any number of schools in, in uh, Canberra as well who used mm-hmm. to have a year 12 common room where they were, you know, allowed to smoke, no problems at all. We look back at that now and go, oh, madness, mm-hmm. you know, how did we ever let that happen? I think that in, you know, perhaps – 20, 30 years' time, we'll look back and say to allow students as young as, you know, some kids as young as 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 even, mm. unlimited access to the internet um, was just not a good thing. And um, uh, I, I, the damage, you know, that can happen with all of that is uh, really um, quite significant, I would say. Yeah. Something we need to, and parents go, oh, no, it's easy to give them a laptop or give them their iPad and off they go. They, it's a you know, child minor, but oh, to, to know what and where they're doing, especially up to, you know, 15, 16, yeah, more, you know, mm. with respect to access to all that is yep. a really big challenge. And you talk to police. It's where all the pedophiles are now. They're on the internet. Yeah. You talk to anyone, you know, so much, many challenges there. Mm. Yeah, it does feel like the whole social media thing is this big social experiment that we're all oh. um, a part of in real time and we don't know yeah. what the ramifications are going to yeah. be. Yeah, I mean, what do you think? Again, huge question. <laughs> but what are some of the ways right now while we're living through that um, we can teach young people um, to engage, it's, it's just there. Obviously, it's so currently deeply ingrained. But yeah. how can we be challenging some of that use or, or reshaping it or engaging it in a way that's healthy? Yeah. Again, look, it's about a lot of that is about those boundaries. Again, you know, at the dinner table, we don't have phones at the dinner table, or certain times we will have non, you know, device time, especially leading up to bed, all those sort of things. You know, they're important. Um, and again, you know, it's living out. You know, kids have great bullshit detectors. They, um, yeah, you know, if your your actions don't align with your values, that's where you you'll come into um, 
problems with young folk. Um, and, you know, I, th- I think probably in my teaching career, the kids are, are fantastic. They know about justice. They have an internal justice meter. And if their students are treated unequally or unfairly, um, they'll let you know very clearly. So um, it's about and, – and they'll, they'll pick out duplicitousness even mm. easier sort of thing. So. Yeah. Mm. Obviously education doesn't just happen in classrooms. You know, I think we all know that. Um, I'm just thinking now, like imagine people listening to this who are parents of young kids like me. they got a lot of this journey before them. Um, But also, you know, um, maybe coaches, maybe music teachers, maybe other relatives. Um, There are these networks all around the lives of a young person. For our next generation of men to be what I hope that my sons and their peers will be, that requires, you know, all of us to use the voice that we have, the influence that we have um, in the best ways that we can. So I'm just wondering for you, what would be your words of advice to those parents, coaches, relatives, teachers that have some sort of sort of orbit around the lives of a young boy or man? Don't ever underestimate the power that you have as a, a role model as an adult. For a young, a young male to look up to an older male, uh, is a very significant thing and happens far more than than you think. You know, you don't. You know, coaches are good examples, but other adults or parents or whatever, and the sort of thing. So it's about you know the, making sure that your your values, you know, are aligned with your actions. That you know, students can see that happening is, is important. One of the things that I used to see happened a lot, and it was not a good thing, was where par- um, sometimes parents would disparage former partners or, you know, we're split, you know, we've got more than 50% of families are, you know, mixed families or, you know, uh, divorce has occurred. And for kids, hearing that is one of their real, I think, soul destroyers for them. They just, it really mm. is not good for their heart to hear that. And I think that's where we've, need, you know, as adults need to rise above all those sort of things. And again, we need to keep working out of that love um, aspect rather than sort of out of a negative, you know, mm. harping sort of thing. That's one of them. And there certainly aren't any um, winners in that sort of a, a situation. So I would say that that's a thing. Acknowledge that that's, um, you know, that you do have a role and it's only just in the kindness and the, you know, even the greetings, the the, the pleasantness of the greetings. We, you know, sometimes people have, you know, have lost a little bit of that too in the way they greet each other or... or mm. Yeah, some good stuff there. So I'm hearing, don't underestimate the influence that you have. Be warm, mm-hmm. even in the simple things of, of greetings. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, don't speak unkindly of others. Yeah. I mean, those those are simple things that I'm hearing that, you know, I know that if we all practice those, they, they add up over time. Um, it's been great having this conversation, Mark. I really appreciate your time. I want to hit you with a few kind of rapid-fire questions just at the end here. These are sort of the one-word or one-sentence answers. Okay. What's one essential part of your just daily routine that helps keep you kind of healthy and grounded? Walking the dog in the morning. Love it. What's a single sentence that you would say if the 18-year-old version of you was sitting right next to you at this point in time? Uh, I would say remember the power of love. Mm. Beautiful. All right, what about if the uh, the 80-year-old version of you was sitting next to you? What would you want to hear the 80-year-old say to this version of you? Uh, keep exercising and stay healthy and try and um, and don't be too stuck in the mud. Mm. Keep moving around. 
Do you have a, a book or podcast or film recommendation that you just reckon everyone should go out and watch, read, engage with? The, the Alchemist was a great book. Um, there are many, many uh, things. I, I, I couldn't think of any off the top of my head. I, I think the other thing important is a sense of humour. You need to be able to see the funny side and you need to be able to laugh at yourself too. Mm. So I always enjoy a good um, humorous podcast or whatever. Yeah, that's uh, good. Yeah. One characteristic that you would just love to be known for as a man. I mean, when you're not here anymore, what's the one thing you'd want people to have known you for? Um, I think uh, kindness, mm. I would hope. Yeah. I love that. This podcast is called Mankind with a semicolon in the middle because it's my suggestion that what if we could, you know, develop that association. That to be a man doesn't mean to be aggressive or strong but mm. could mean kindness. Yes. One recommended next step for people listening to this that you would suggest who will maybe go and do or think about or, or take a little further? Um, spend time with your young folk. Just mm. spend time with them and time that they, um, they're they sometimes unexpected or not 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 anticipating you. So it might just be going and uh, watching a, 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 an event. It could be, a, you know, a, um, a drama performance or a music performance or a sporting thing. Just go and stand there quietly and then pick something nice to affirm them in, you know. Beautiful. All right, finally, I've got two sentences I just want you to finish for me. Don't overthink it, just whatever comes to mind. First sentence, I am. Getting older, unfortunately. (laughs) (laughs) And we are. We are lucky to live in a country as good as Australia. Awesome. Mark, thank you so much for for sharing your stories, um, your your wisdom learnt over many years, uh, a lot of encouragement to myself as well as those that will listen to this. Uh, any final thought that you want to leave people with to wrap up this conversation? Uh, no, I think that'll. I think I've <laughs> raved on enough. I'd suggest. Awesome, thank <laughs> you, Mark. Man. Thanks a lot. Bye. This podcast has been proudly brought to you by the Central Coast Council and produced by Lead by Story. Music is by Josh Corkill with editing and mixing from Rowan Parry. I'm your host, Will Small. If you got value out of this conversation, then give us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts and share this episode with someone you think would benefit from it. We get to decide what it means to be a man in the places we find ourselves. So let's make it kind, compassionate and strong. Catch you next time on Mankind.